0: Okay. Hello, everybody. Uh, Thanks for attending the 2019 Theocon, uh, and and thanks for attending this panel here about Jordan Peele's horror cinema. My name is Danny Anderson, and I teach English at Mount Aloysius College, a bit down the road from here. And this here is Chris Maverick. Chris, you want to tell him a little bit about yourself?
1: Uh, My name's Christopher Maverick. You can call me Mav. I am a (laughs) PhD student at Duquesne University uh, doing my dissertation on... Comic books, comic books, superheroes so superheroes in comics, film, TV shows, video games, and the depictions of gender and sexuality therein. And that's what I, work on. I also work a lot with issues of gen- gender, sexuality, class, race. Um, other communities in general and how they're depicted in pop culture media and i am the host or one of four hosts of the vox Popcast, which is a another podcast which you can follow on facebook or twitter or spotify or itunes or wherever you get podcasts from
0: Yeah, and I highly recommend Chris's podcast. We've been on each other's show many times. And a good friend of mine and knows what he's talking about. Um, So today we're going to be talking a little bit, as I said, about Jordan Peele's horror films and some of the reasons they're so important. And for those of you in the audience, thanks for showing up, first of all. It makes me feel, you know us alone in the world, I guess. Um, But uh, also, feel free to jump in with any questions. This show is very conversational in that way. Um, So first, let me just say uh, that we're in a kind of golden age of horror films, and some critics like to throw out this term, elevated horror, I kind of personally find elitist and offensive, uh, but uh, to describe the recent um, high-quality horror films that are sort of out there um, in the last few years, um, certainly the existence of Blumhouse Pictures adds a lot to that body of work, um, which Get Out was, uh, was a Blumhouse film, um, as well as do great films like Babadook, um, Hereditary, uh, The Witch, and the recent It franchise. But Jordan Peele's Get Out and Us stand out even among such illustrious company, I think. And uh, I think they're two of the best horror films of the last decade. And today, Chris and I are going to talk a little bit about what makes them so powerful and important uh, pieces of cinematic art. Um, And so just generally, uh, we have a short window of time, and I do want to talk about both films. Um, It's really not ideal because I think both of them, um, are really rich and deserve full conversations on their own, and they're actually quite different movies in many ways. So we're going to be um, obviously eliding over some of the um, really interesting things that those films do for the sake of time. But um, a lot of people, I think, Chris, were That's like weird flummoxed. You call me Chris. I get oh, Math, <laughs> it's to Mav. <laughs> it's Mav. Sorry, yes. Um, I should know that by now. I'm so sorry. Um, a lot of people, Mav, are kind of we're kind of flummoxed. I think when Get Out. Came out because we've all known Jordan Peele as the, the great comedian <laughs> of um, Key and Peele and, and many other things, right? Um, and so, but I do think it makes sense. I think there's a, a connection between comedy and horror. Do you want? Do you have any I ideas think on that?
1: Absolutely. Well, I think there's a couple things going on. I think there's absolutely a, con- a connection between comedy and horror um, at their finest. Both comedy and, and I don't want to get into the weird morality of punching up versus punching down because I don't think that's the issue. At their finest. Comedy and horror are both commenting on a social reality of the time period wherein that comedian or horror author is working, um, which is to say, I, I, I love the Key and Peele show, show, yeah. and I think they were very, very topical. I my my favorite horror movie of all time is probably the original Halloween, which I think is exactly a perfect movie for the time in which it was written. It does seem dated in many ways today because we're not dealing with the same social issues. or we are, but we're not dealing with the same social issues in the same way as Carpenter was in (laughs) 1978. I was was, going to say six. (laughs) Okay, 78. So I I think that that matters. And I think Peel... Did a brilliant thing with the first with the first film with Get Out. Um, the other comment I was going to make was he um, when when he got the uh, the Academy Award nomination, they're like, "Oh, are you surprised?" And he's like, "No, I expected to get one for documentary." And that was that was that was his response, which which I think is uh, which. Is a joke, because he's still funny, but I think it sort of points to exactly what he was trying to accomplish with that film.
0: Yeah, there's an insightfulness in both genres um, that isn't afraid to be mean-spirited. I mean, to be funny, you have to sort of, I mean, poke fun at the status mm-hmm. quo, right? Um, and horror does a similar thing. Um, it may seem very different, but it does a similar thing. And I think that's really one reason that people like Dave Chappelle can be controversial for the jokes that they tell, mm-hmm. right, in any given moment. Now he's offending a different group of people than he was defending 10 years ago, right? Um, but he's, uh, but there's something about humor that works in the same kind of accusatory way. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, it's like this kind of cleansing light, if you will, um, about society, and I think that there's a real interesting, I mean, it's, it seems very logical, now that I think about it, that horror, I mean, and then horror comedy is a great jo- subgenre in and of itself, my favorite movie, as everybody knows, is American and Werewolf in London, um, and it's, it's one of those movies that it's, it balances both of those things together and makes it seem a perfectly natural fit.
1: I am not, I always, I've said very many times on my show, I'm not a horror fan, which is not really accurate. You know, I play a character on my show. I like some horror movies, I don't like other horror movies, but for me, I don't really enjoy being scared by movies, which is not to say that I'm scared or that like I have nightmares or anything. It's just not fun for me. I don't uh, like um, a lot of movies that just try to be you know, like this is just gore and slashing just for the sake of like I watched Saw and I was just like this is real well, boring. Yeah, and I mean, like, there I are thought, types of horror movies no, I don't but, like. But, but I right thought that's I thought it so. was boring. Yeah. There was no point to it. Yeah, again, I love the movie Halloween. I love movies. I like the Scream series. Um, there are jokes in it. Get Out and especially Us. Us is funny. Yeah. Us is a really funny movie. I might have issues myself, but um, <laughs> but it's dark. But there's a there's a definite humor to it to where I I enjoy. You know, what do you want me to think? Of, what do you want me to think about here? And how are you using the technique of fear to make me think about it? I think that's an interesting way of, of doing a film, of telling a story in a book as well. Yeah, ab- Absolutely. Um, and just uh, for reference,
0: if you don't want to forget about the old classic Key and Peele, uh, there's a really great skit of theirs <laughs> that uh, I think you can find on the internet. It is on so, YouTube. I watched it again um, last night. <laughs> it's, uh, they basically do a behind the scenes of the old Family Matters um, TV show with Steve Urkel, and somehow Steve Urkel is this like almost demonic presence that has possessed the body of Jaleel White, and he has these mind control powers over Oh Reginald, I forget his name. Reginald Bell Johnson. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, and, and the so, producer. Yeah, and so, and, and it's terrifying but also hilarious. There's so, no
1: explanation for anything. It's just <laughs> I am the evil that is Steve Urkel, and yeah. I will control the world. <laughs> and he makes, you know, he has telekinetic powers, mind control. Yes. It's sort of like a Stephen King movie, it or, or a Peele movie. Yeah. There's, like if you, yeah. watch, if you watch Get Out, there's an answer at the end, and there's an answer at the end of Us, but it's only roughly an answer. Like, we, like I mean, I, we're going to spoil these on this, on this oh, show. Oh, yeah, program. we have okay. to spoil these movies. Okay, to, so yeah. in Us... Okay, well, the answer is, you know, all along, there, there were these clones that are beneath the city. Where'd the clones come from? <laughs> the government. Okay. It was implied. Sure. Yeah, but, yeah.
2: <laughs> yeah, um, yeah incidentally, all, I'm all the, teaching.
0: Well, next semester, I'm teaching both a horror film class <laughs> and a conspiracy theory class in the same semester. So this is the perfect movie for me to watch right now.
1: Uh, Lupita Nyong'o's character is like, I don't know, 35? Mm-hmm. You know? So, apparently... At least 35 years ago, we've had human <laughs> cloning technology and, and, and had been working on it for long enough that we decided to give up on it and just let them roam around beneath. The, or so, so apparently, like I don't know, in the fifties, we were cloning people. No, don't think too hard about it. That's not the point of the film. <laughs> MK Ultra is what I would say. I mean, um, so,
0: um, but yeah. So, if you want a, a precedent for Jordan Peele's move into horror, um, I mean, you, you can it's really there. find it in Key and Peele, um, and, and he is a master of the genre, right? And I just like with both of these films. There, it's drawing on very traditional tropes that you see in, in the genre. The idea of an automaton um, as a horror figure goes way back, right? Um, and so, I mean, it, there's a lot of invasion of the body snatchers going on in, in both of these movies. Um, and he was he particularly cites uh, Stepford Wives* as <laughs> yeah. a uh, as a uh, source text for that, and, and rightfully so, right? Mm-hmm. Um, there's a lot of clear like implementation or inclusion of psychoanalytic ideas the idea of a subterranean world is a clear symbol of the of the you know of the the american subconscious right and Mm so um and so the Return of the Repressed um, is literalized in these movies, right? And so, I mean, he's, um, and the idea of like cults, there's a lot of Stanley Kubrick, uh, like particularly like Eyes Wide Shut, which even gets uh, referenced in Reference get, get Out. Yeah. <laughs> he, he overtly references it in Get Out. And then some of the classic cinematography um, right from John Carpenter's Halloween, and particularly, I think, in. Um, in us, but it's also there in Get Out. With I mean, just sort of the creepy silhouette standing at a distance, um, being menacing, just because they're kind of yeah. un, indecipherable. Sort I feel of like, like Get right? Out's
1: trying to do a little more Twilight Zone, than, yeah. <laughs> Which, which is why he got the, the franchise. It's but, true. Um, but I think he's overtly, you know. Referencing Sterling in a way that, like, in a way that I think us is overtly going after Carpenter.
0: Yeah. Oh, yeah, for sure. Um, And uh, incidentally, I have, I don't get CBS, I've subscribed to enough services. Yeah, I (laughs) I don't don't have, I've not seen his. I have not seen the Twilight Zone, some pre-chatter. It it sort of doesn't hold up. Um, And I think someone said, that Black Mirror did it better, kind of. Is that um, I don't know what kind of creative control he has over that, Or whether he's just sort of the host. I, I don't know.
1: My understanding is that he is producer, but I don't know what that pro- means. Producer means many things in Hollywood <laughs> yes. right now. Um, Stan Lee has produced every Marvel film. Did you know that? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and by producing, he shows up once per—well, not anymore, obviously. But he was sh- he was showing up, you know, every six months and just tell me what to say. Put me in a green screen booth, and he and he got a production credit on every film that they've made because that's that was his deal. Yeah.
2: But. Yeah,
1: I it didn't do anything. <laughs> no, yeah, for sure.
0: Um, and I want to get into the movies here real quickly. Um, I did put a call out to some Twitter followers. Um, you can follow me personally on Twitter at at Danny P Anderson, um, and there's a Sectarian Review Twitter feed too. Um, one of my longtime, you know, classic listeners, Chris Buckley, no relation to William F. or his son Chris. Um, <laughs> it, uh, he actually. Um, gave me a couple comments about these films that I think are really pertinent with regards to how they work, uh, why they're important in their exploration of identity. Mm -hmm. Um, He says, his is the smartest, best-written horror on any screen. Big statement. Um, and, And the secret, I think, is that it is not only about race, it's about the existential threats punishing any man or woman who dares to say, I belong in America, reserved for the privilege which means it's especially about race Um, and and then he follows that up by saying in a sense it's horror based on the philosophy of capital P personalism which holds the nature of the human person is that is that which is neither to be owned nor used, but only loved. Peel's fil- films are about the terror of saying, I belong, and hearing in response, yes, you belong to me, right? I think that's a <laughs> wonderful, wonderful yeah. comment from Buckley there. And so, um, yeah, so uh, I, let's uh, kind of get into these. I don't know how else to begin this. One thing I want to say about these films and why I really appreciate them, I come f- from my political affiliation is. is you know, my listeners are, know it already. It's somewhat pretty left, um, but Mine's um, extremely left. Yes. <laughs> and, and so, um, my show is very ecumenical, though. I very mm-hmm. often have conservatives on the show, and we get along swimmingly, right? And so, um, I, coil. <laughs> yeah, <coil me> on. <laughs> I know you're listening. Okay. Um, but so, I think that he, with Get Out particularly, what I appreciate about it, um, I'm be above all, is that it really goes after. The hashtag resistance crowd. Okay, so when I say left, I don't mean liberal. I mean sort of left, right? And so, and he has a similar critique of kind of white liberalism. Yes. Um, in that uh, in that movie, and I think it's very
1: very brave, right? I I, and would I have agree voted with for it, Obama so <laughs> third time if I could have best yes. president in my life. Yeah. Uh, so
0: it's brave because I agree with it. I know, but go ahead. Yeah.
1: <laughs> And, this, uh, and I don't want to make this conversation about it because you've literally done a whole show on the difference between leftism versus liberalism. Uh, at which least, At least one. Yeah, evil, go ahead. Yeah. No, I mean, you have one. is <laughs> titled Leftism. Or, yeah. yeah. Um, it is an interesting take because what... Uh, I think it would be very easy and reductive to try and do exactly the film that is Get Out and do, well, you have the good liberals versus the evil conservatives. Exactly. That would be easy... That film exists dozens, if not hundreds of times, and I think if you aren't paying close attention, it's very easy to paint the evil white people in Get Out as the Republicans. Yeah. They're not. And in fact, the film explicitly tells you that they're not.
0: It bends over backwards to make sure you understand this. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Now you could say they're lying, but again, that's reductive and easy. Mm-hmm. The point that he's trying to make is that the harm that is being done by this message of you know black is in this season and you know you know like that that is an actual <laughs> line from the film. It's like you know how do you find the black experience has been treating you, Logan? <laughs> and like that is, but I mean that is a it is a very specific pointing to. Uh, the, the hypocrisy of the left, right? Yeah. It, is a, it, is a, it, it is trying to look at, look, you've got liberals here, and yet the problems of race are not being addressed. And the problems of race in Get Out are not just the, you know, oh, well, we elected a black president. Oh, well, I give money to the ACP. It is a no. For some people, your erasure is a matter of life and death. And for some people, you know, I'm a black guy, so that might include me. And that, it, so I liked that part of the movie, but it is a very weird, nuanced thing that he's trying to say. And my fear for it is, I think, in some ways, maybe it gets covered up by the horrificness of the movie, in a way that I don't know how to fix. Right? Mm-hmm. Because, like, I can't just didactically tell people that I've tried. Right? Yeah. Uh, and so you do that with you do it with media, and I think the message gets out there, but. It also sort of allows it allows the uneducated viewer to say yes, but I'm not one of those white people. Yeah, <laughs> you know, yeah. I'm one of the good ones. You are not
0: toothless hillbillies, right? Right. Yeah. Um, right. Yeah. Um, and I want to say another thing I like about this is that, I mean, in the way a way in which I agree with his critique is that. It very much reminds me, and I've referenced the book um, *Mistaken mistaken Identity* by Assad Hader before on this show, probably yours too. Um, But um, but it's a way that book explores the way in which kind of resistance liberalism in the Trump era reduces race to this kind of moral choice um, to be. Open to the black experience or not, while ignoring the structural issues of economics, right? And so this this movie and both movies, I think, actually um, make those issues of uh, racial injustice with economic injustice um, intertwined, as they actually are. And I wouldn't um, even just
1: say just those two. I think I think hashtag hashtag resist, which you know everybody loves. And I have issues with just even like if you were really resisting. You know, where's the revolution? But like that's, <laughs> but like you're not. It's on Twitter. You're you not really. But but I mean, the, but the the entire idea of, and again, uh, this is this is me critiquing, academically critiquing friends of mine even. Yeah. Um. The the idea of just simply saying resist because I voted for Hillary and therefore I am part of the resistance is, mm-hmm. it's reductive. It's reductive to simply equate. All otherism together. I mean, we do that as academics. We yeah. say, "Oh, an other community," as a shorthand. But the idea of the idea of racial inequality and the idea of gender inequality and class in, inequality—those are all very different. And in religious inequality—they are there. There are similar issues that are confronting each thing. But um, even the idea of racial inequality between Black people and Native American people or Asian American people—there are different issues that. Being black in America conflates with class and financial systems in a different way than being Asian in America does. I'm not saying it's worse or better. I'm very specifically saying it's different. Um, we use language. Uh, we, we use language. Even the term "passing." Passing currently very much is part of the transgender communities world. Um, and yet that language is adopted from the African American community's world of mm, roughly 40-50 years ago. We stopped caring as much, but it's a different issue. And the issues of passing for the tran- for the transgender community are different than the issues of passing were for the African American community. And again, neither is better or worse. I don't mean to say that, but more we, important or yeah, less important. Yeah, but right. we equate yeah. we equate the language and we sort of try to, you know, just say uh, a lot of people thought, OK, we elected Obama. Now all issues of inequality are better. <laughs> Yay, we did it, you know? <laughs> it. It didn't work. And people were surprised when we elected Obama. And in the literal same election um, that the first black man in America became president, um, uh, marriage equality was voted down in California the most liberal state in the union how did this happen it's because they're not really the same thing yeah. and so you can't just say you can't just write hashtag resist on twitter and expect everything to get better magically and i think that's what this movie is doing yeah. yes they are liberals yes they are probably good people they're also quite literally killing the people they admire yeah in that film
0: yeah um and speaking of um, you mentioned passing in the african-american context I have to, as an English professor, recommend the great book by Noah Larson um, called Passing. Passing. It, it's, it's an essential <laughs> tec- yes. uh, text to understand this. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah. Um, and so, I want to say one thing. So, he wrote this, bo- this movie, Get Out, during the Obama administration. Okay, and it has a much different original ending. I don't know if anybody's watched the um, the alternative ending of it. Um, and so the the way the movie ends in the theatrical release of 2017 um, is it's a very kind of heroic happy ending. I mean, he gets away. Uh, saved by TSA. Saved by his his friend who works <laughs> for the <Yeah>. TSA <laughs> in a hilarious role. Just yes, one of the funniest performances I've yes. seen in years. Um, and so. Um, He's which was he's <laughs> great. He is the
1: best part of the film. Yeah, I don't know the actor's name, but he's the best. Oh, uh, I,
0: I should have it up here. Yeah, um, and uh, but that wasn't the original ending. The original ending in the Obama era, as it was written, he chokes out um, the girlfriend, which he's about to do. He which, tries to. Yeah, he tries to in the in the. In the, in the Canonical ending. Uh, He tries to, and then he gives up, uh, and then um, his friend comes and saves him, right? And so, um, and then she dies anyway, right? Right. Just of her gunshot wound. But um, in the uh, original ending, he does kill her, and then the actual cops show up and arrest him, and he spends his life in jail, right? right? Um, And he purposefully wrote that in the Obama era. I listened to the the commentary about this. Because he was sick of people, even at that time, talking about a post-racial America, mm-hmm. and he wanted to throw this in their face. Mm-hmm. And so, after the 2016 election, he didn't think people. He thought people understood that message well enough already, mm-hmm. and they needed a heroic sort of ending.
1: Well, the, the film uses a narrative trope of beginning with the police. Like, so, when oh, watching right. it in the theaters the first time, um, and I, I I've watched it three times, and most recently. Um, yesterday, because I was preparing for this, um, and yesterday he's a, he's a good podcast. Yes, yesterday I am um, okay. <laughs> um, please listen to my show www um, But um, yesterday, when preparing for this, I, um, I was watching the film again and you know doing notes this time, right? And knowing what's coming. And like look, looking for you know how he sets up the narrative and you know, being a good English major, basically.. Yeah. <laughs> and um, there is the very it's book ended by cop cars driving up. Um, the first, well, not quite because there's an intro scene with the two of them. but like when they first get to the town, they're accosted by a police officer, and the movie uses narrative expectation to make you think. That, that's, that it's going to be that same police officer and he's going to spend his life in jail, which, I presu- which presumably, probably in the original cut, it was going to be literally the same guy. There were the two thing- cops
0: that come out. I can't okay. Honestly, I don't remember whether one of them was the same actor.
1: Okay, not, but, but yeah, uh, because like, it sort of tells you, yes, even in this world, he's going to be mis- mis- uh, mistreated. Uh, another film, uh, if you've ever seen American Beauty. Oh, yeah. American Beauty, one of my favorite movies. For complicated reasons, but the but I've read the script as well, and the, and the script is another forty minutes. The daughter and the boyfriend go to jail for his murder in the script. Oh, interesting. Because um, because they um, you know she comes out and she finds her father um, shot. So she calls the police, and then the first thing they do is they go and they you know they search the house and they find her boyfriend's. Videotapes where she says, and it's the very first thing of the movie. She says, "I want to kill my dad. Will you help me?" And that's the so he's he's playing off that same trope. Now it's subverted, and I think the Indian of American Beauty is better, and I think the ending of Get Out is better yeah. as as produced. But that's because but that's because in the filming of both of them, the world had sort of moved socially slightly from yeah. where it was in the writing.
0: Yeah, and it's interesting that he chooses um, to have a happy mm-hmm. ending. In a dark time, right? And so, yeah. (laughs) Well, yeah, as as happy as that ending could be, actually. So, Um, but yeah, so let's, uh, I I think it's only fair, we do our best in the few minutes we have left to talk a little bit about each film. Mm -hmm. Um, And so, do you have thoughts? We've covered some of it for Get Out. Do you have like specific thoughts that we haven't already? No, for to... Get
1: Out. We can move on to us.
0: Okay. Yeah. So let's let's kind of move into us, which we haven't talked about um, as much yet. Um, it's a much different film, mm-hmm. right? Um, Get Out um, has a much more like brisk pace to it, um, and um, Us turns into this almost zombie apocalypse sort of. Um, uh, you know, eschatological mm-hmm. narrative, right? Um, with conspiracy theories and, and doppelgangers and all that kind of. And it's very symbolic, okay, yes. in, in, in its case, or in its, uh, in its whole. And so um, I just kind of want to begin with the idea of, of all the symbols. And this is the movie that's, I think, easiest to talk about religion, too, since this is at Theocon.
1: Um, but um, talk about some of the symbols. <sighs> us, I have, uh, us is trickier for me. I don't like it as much. What I do like about it was I was hesitant to go to it. I was like, going to us, I was, I was thinking, this is going to... It's a sophomore attempt at a movie, and that's always a failing, and he's going to try to replicate the success of the first one. And he did not do that. He made a different movie with a different message, yeah. which is hard to do for a second-time filmmaker. Yeah. Um, so kudos to him for that. Um, the symbolism, I found... Somewhat heavy-handed. And part of that might be... And a problem with with things like... This is why I don't like horror movies in general. Is it's hard for me to turn off the English major brain. (laughs) And so for a horror movie to work, those things like those narrative structures that I was talking about where you set up things. Like you've got... If if you in order to make things fun for the audience, if you're going to be frightening them constantly, you want to give them narrative structures that they can rely on and remain grounded in. So you know that you see that cop car, that cop car is going to matter, and that's a thing. Um, us, I realized the second she got kidnapped, I realized the end of the movie. Like oh, so you knew oh. the twist. Yeah, well, yeah. No, I mean, it's like oh, okay, so we are, our hero is the wrong one. I see where he's going, and so that annoyed me. And I think that that annoyance made hard for me and I've watched it twice since then now yeah. so uh, that annoyance though that cognizance of it makes it a little a trigger, trigger for me that said I don't think it's a bad movie I think it's well constructed of that narrative so you but you end up with things like like once you're aware of that and this is why I wonder about when you watch it the second time right because if you're not aware of it the first time it doesn't matter but I was so once you're aware of it every time she's like she's wandering around talking about you know tethering and she's carrying carrying the scissors to cut the tethers and I was like this is so heavy-handed. Yes, I get it. You know, <laughs> you know, like so like to me that was a little much. It was a little on the nose.
0: I guess um I I, I was briefly talking to somebody at the beginning. Do you want to uh, like make your claim I'd like to start the conversation so, now? So first of all, I
2: mean, I, I love the uh Jeremiah 11:11 11, 11 thing. Yeah, it mm-hmm. does a great job of like setting this uh, like there is judgment coming. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and I just pulled up somebody said, "Yeah, in plain English, the verse means y'all screwed." <laughs> um, <laughs> but it, but it's this whole idea, of, yeah, this shadow self and and wrestling and, and trying to break away from. But you know what does it mean if the shadow self has taken over at such a young age and lives on top and then kills the real self? It's and yeah, so, there's, there's some some interesting. I, it's
0: an interesting, interesting complication, lore, yeah. right? I, I can yeah. see why you think it's like heavy-handed, well, and just like I'm trying to be M Night Shyamalan and come up with a twist, right? right. Um, I don't yeah. think it's that. I don't know. I think it's yeah.
1: better than that because I'm. Well, I think it's way. I think it's, way yeah. I think it's I think better than most of Shyamalan's. But see, my my thing is, um, I to me, once I realized that again, and we're 15 minutes into the movie, right. um, and then I noticed like the 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 uh, you're you're talking about like there's one character in particular who. Even in the youngness, until until he dies later, he's carrying around the eleven eleven sign, right. and it's like, hey, there is religious symbolism here. Pay attention, you know. Like, it, like, <laughs> like it, it, it becomes so heavy handed, and you start going and you start doing things like, oh, okay, if she killed, because I wasn't sure. I knew that we were going to end up with a confrontation between the two versions. I, that was obvious to me, and I didn't know who was going to come out on top, but. If she kills the other one then then I'm left with the message that you know you've got yourself and you've got the animus, you've got the dark self and it you know and you know the shadow and you know I guess the message is it doesn't really matter we're all the same regard you know the, in, geez, um, what's the um, the the quote from Jekyll and Hyde in uh, um, in man there are two natures, the unseen and the unseen. so and the in the ultimate message of Jekyll and Hyde is you know, Henry Jekyll was the monster all along, right? Like, yeah, like, like, that's, that's what, or, like, Henry's Hyde, so it doesn't matter. Um, but Jekyll was always the monster. Frankenstein was always the monster. Like, the, like, and so I guess the message is... Edward Hyde. Edward Hyde, thank <laughs> you. Um, Henry Jekyll, Edward was, Hyde. This is going to drive me crazy. <laughs> yeah, I mean. um, but, like, so the message is, like, there's, you know, the upbringing, who knows, but, like... She's just as evil, even though she's not really the tethered. She's not really the shadow. And it just becomes so but, but messy and heavy, is, heavy. I mean, she
2: is. She's the one who... I mean, she just did that, the deed earlier. Right. The switching. But, but it's... It,
1: but she's not evil. She saves her family. She's, you know. I, yeah. <laughs> and I'm not even
0: convinced she knows that she's the shadow at that point. I think, I, I, I think at the end, I think I, there's I, that I, wink she knows. I feel like she realizes it at the end. I think there was some sense in which she didn't realize it at oh, the really? beginning. I, I, that's, I don't know. This is a way I kind of maybe See, understood to
1: it. To me, was. again, every time I rewatch one of his films, I'm looking for the clues now that I might have missed, yeah. right? So what I didn't notice was. Um, until the till the third watching last night um, was how hard she tries to not go to that beach. That's true. That's <laughs> She's like they're like, let's just go to the beach. She's like, nah. No, we'll go to we'll go to the beach over here. Like she's not, she's not. Okay, like she's she's literally. She knows that that community is there. She knows that the hole's there. She knows. So like, I think she's aware, and she she's. I am not going there and chanting. And then once once I realize, and she's watching her kid. No, 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 get away from the funhouse. Like yeah. She like I want no chance. It's not just that she's aware that there are demons down there. She's aware that the real hers down there, and she doesn't want to chance getting being found out. I, that's how I read it on viewing three.
0: I'm not sure they're demons, though. I almost, well, I get the feeling that they're like an underclass, right? Yes. And so I think, like I said, I think I get the point what you're making. Narratively, I can see how it, it feels maybe ham-fisted or something, right? Um, and maybe precocious or something. You know, um, I still but, like it. Oh, I love it. But I love it's, it.
1: it. It's heavy. It's But <laughs> I think
0: it's because he has this larger point he wants to make, again, about structural like inequalities mm-hmm. right and how the privileged life up here is literally built upon the servitude um, of the people unseen below and they are the they are America she tells that, herself that,
2: that, that's exactly what I was going to ask about that's, the, that's like the one line that that family speaks mm-hmm. you know is we're Americans mm-hmm. you know and it's like, what does that mean to yeah, well, I, I mean is and, it Americans really are controlled by our darker nature.
0: And, and well, yeah, and it's like the dual nature of us, right? It's right. U.S., and right. it's us, right? And so it has, a, it has multi-layers, or it's like a multi-whatever meaning. I should know that term. I, uh, I'm an English professor, but uh, crap, I forgot it. Uh, anyway, um, so, um, but, the, uh, um, but the point is, I think it, this movie's playing very heavily on duality. I thought the shears were a weird choice, right, of a weapon. Like, that doesn't seem very practical, right? But when you think about what shears She's do, cutting the
1: tethers, yeah. they're
0: two separate things that are combined um, mm. that also discontact, discontact other things. So you have this really interesting um, symbolism in the weapons that these people choose as well. Yes. The one glove, I don't really know what that's all about. But um, but yeah, I'm sure George is. Michael, the,
2: the Michael the Jackson. To the, <laughs> the thriller, yeah, thriller
0: t-shirt at the beginning. Yeah, it's yeah. Michael, I think that it is. Like it's Michael Jackson. Yeah, then yeah. Yeah,
2: the, the tie into the optimism of the 80s, yeah. you know, that, that
0: point white America, Hands across America, which I did. I, I, did, too. Did, <laughs> I did I did. Too. did you all do? That <laughs> yes. It, my church was on Route 91 in Ohio, and it went right in front of the church. And we all went out there went, and joined the line.
1: Went through. Um, went through Lorain, Ohio, where I'm where where I'm from. Um, <laughs> Lorain, Ohio is famous for two people. I am not one of them. Uh, or, or no, three 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 people. <laughs> Tony uh, uh, no three people. Tony Morrison, who was not there that day. Um, Terry. Mc- I don't remember his name, Terry McCullough. He's a, he's Super a, famous. I, I, yeah. no, no, no. well, he was, he, was, he was the longest standing hostage um, during oh, the hostage crisis. Right, right, and right. I'm forgetting his for last name right now because I was a McCullough. child. McCullough. Yeah. McCullough, yeah. McCullough with the H right at yes. the end. And Father Guido Sarducci. Yes. Father <laughs> Guido Sarducci, also from my hometown, um, married to, or uh, married or brother-in-law of Surgeon General at the time. Um, But Father Guido (laughs) Sarducci stood four people over me from me in Hands Across America.
0: This is why you listen to the sectarian review. I mean, this is just... uh, (laughs) Yeah, this is... um, (laughs) You get the deep tracks here, so yeah. yeah, um,
1: Um, (laughs) But yeah, Hands Across... And I, I... but see, the, my problem with that, though, if you're going to – to go back to the actual point, if you're going to say that it's this – and I agree that that's what he's doing, that yeah. it's the, you know, the – building the body of the underclass. But then – and this is the complication of trying to equate race to class to all otherism, right? Because essentially what you're saying is if you just lift one person out of the underclass and plop them into the overclass, everything is okay. Yeah. And I don't – and I think that's a little easy. I, 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 I don't think it – with class, it works like you can – if you adopt – a same race, same gender child from one place and put them in the you know, okay, maybe. But if you're trying to say all otherism, if you're trying to make the racial equivalency, you can't just move a black baby into a white neighborhood. Trust me, that kid's gonna have problems.
0: It's it's like, um, <laughs> I was just listening to a podcast about busing, right? Yes. Uh, and, and it's a similar sort of issue, how of busing yeah. affected inner city mm-hmm. um, white families the suburban um, white kids, were, they didn't have to deal with it, but they're all the ones that supported busing on just some symbolic level, right? Um, and it was like, we could just like... Bring we can elect a black president and bring one person symbolically to represent mm-hmm. our progress, right? And it really does nothing. The underclass still exists um, without. I mean, this is like a purely. I mean, a completely radical conclusion. I mean, there's like a com- bloody revolution <laughs> at the well, end of this, right?
1: busting conversation. Is, it's an argument I had. Um, my wife's white, so it's an argument I had with my father-in-law, who you know, in the wake of uh, the three debates ago. Kamala Harris and Joe Biden had oh, with that the discussion. One, yeah, and um, and
0: that was debate two point B or something. Yeah, yeah. And
1: so. but like in that moment, like I remember, I literally had this argument to where it's like it's very bad. But um, the the problem is. He comes from a generation where we did this great thing, and we ended racism by doing the busing thing. And a lot of black people didn't want it. It's like this is a far more complicated issue than you realize. And he, and he thought, well, you don't remember, because in his mind, that was a problem from before I was born. And I was like, I was born in 1974. My neighborhood integrated, um, integrated schools when I was in sixth grade in 1986 and we did it because the NAACP sued my school district and forced us to. So like that so like it's not as in the past as probably people like people think of it as this was a Martin Luther King problem. No, no, no. <laughs> this was the this like literally I went to racially segregated schools until the 6th grade and then by the de-seg- the desegregating was, you know, me and another kid <laughs> I mean, I, I mean, there were there were two black kids and there there were two black kids in my in my That's class. Right? Were, well, yes, it was it was were, it was me and another kid and then two Hispanic kids with sixteen white kids. Desegregation and,
0: and in all the all the publicity <laughs> photos. There was all of them. All were always in every one. Yeah, it's right? <laughs> just so, like
1: yeah. you know. Uh, but it wore, but per per grade, so like so like in my brother I was in sixth grade my brother was in third grade and in his it was him and another black you know like that was that's all there there was
0: yeah and I think I mean just tying this up I want to ask you guys for your responses and questions Um, and so I want to leave time for that and I know that we have to finish up in five minutes is that right is it um, 10 till when we're supposed to finish Um, and so um, I did watch an interview with Jordan Peele um, about his Propensity to include Easter eggs and how much he enjoys <laughs> people trying to decode his movies, right? Um, and, and he, um, which is perfect for me. I'm totally. I'm teaching my horror film class next semester, and I'm totally teaching at least one of these movies for for that purpose, um, because very few horror films are are that. I don't know analyzable anymore, right? They're not that formal as they used to be. I and think so, good I, ones are. Well, yeah. Hereditary is a major um, exception to this. But um, anyway, I mean, I'll, I'll like focus, focus. Uh, Anderson, focus. Um, and so the, uh, uh, what was I going to say? Oh, Easter, uh, the bunnies, the yeah. rabbits, okay? He suggested it had something to do with Easter. Um, and then he just kind of <laughs> left it at that. And, and I'm, I'm just thinking on a theological level, the idea of sort of Re- resurrection, I um, and, and, and I, I don't know where he's going with that, but it's it's a fascinating um, Easter. He, he egg. might also just be, <laughs> he, he might
1: also just be screwing with people because Jordan Pill is not be, not above that. Yes, so. true, and I I totally <laughs> bought it then. So um, I, I don't know. I mean, I I don't have an answer. I I think it's a weird choice. Even when watching it the first time, I thought because uh, like you don't know that they, they eat them when you first see the rabbits. When you first see the rabbits, yeah. it's just like a big bunch of it's in the opening yeah. credits and there's this yeah. big bunch of and it's long and it's slow and you said there's a good two minutes and you're like, That's an interesting choice. <laughs> it's very cool. Kubrick- okay. It's very Kubrick- cool Kubrick- yeah. <laughs> <Come on. laughs> yeah.
0: Yeah. Um, I, I would love to hear um, questions from the from the audience that were kind enough to come out though. Oh, in Get Out. out. Yes. Um, Again, another psychoanalytic uh, trope that he brings into that movie as an
1: explicit um, plot point. As an explicit psychoanalytic? She's the psychologist hypnotizing him into his own subconsciousness to deal with his own id and superego. Like, it's explicitly psychoanalytic.
0: When you read Kafka, one of the great things about Kafka is the jokes, why they're funny is that he takes something that we speak of as allegorical and makes it literal. So mm-hmm. you have the starving artist literally becomes the hunger artist who starves for his art, right? Um, and mm-hmm. the, I feel like my boss treats me like a bug. The metamorphosis, you <laughs> are a bug, right? Um, he, um, Jordan Peel's doing the same thing. Like, mm-hmm. uh, America is still like a plantation, so we're going to make a literal plantation. Um, and then the whole idea of the sunken place, I, I, I think psychologically that helps us Look at these kinds of structures more uh, from a distance, I guess. And but
2: doesn't I, it also say that that you know, because the value of of the African American was your body, yeah, mm-hmm. and your mind. Well, we can just you know send that away.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh, and and the control that then a white person has over the body by by trapping the mind right yeah. in this mm-hmm. this this trap, which is beautifully shot sequence. I mean, terrifying, in, in the way that horror films can be beautiful. I think that image of michael myers the guy pinned on the wall is beautiful right but um um, but the uh might have issues yeah (laughs) um but uh but it's an an amazingly shot sequence so it's obviously very important to him um and so yeah i think that's a a really great answer it has something to do with the control of the bodies um and another puzzle of that movie like incidentally talking about black bodies um it's interesting at the end we kind of find out that the you have basically a house slave and a field slave um, on this plantation, right? They are actually... The grandparents. The, the, grand, the white grandparents
1: trapped in... Not trapped. I mean... It,
0: but they're not, they don't benefit from their uh, immortality, right? They're servants to the people. So it's, almost like, it's almost like black bodies... Still code you as inferior, whether and what, what, regardless of what's going that. on in the mind. Uh,
1: so, here's, here's where I wonder, and this is like subtext of the movie because I've again, I've watched it exactly three times now, no more, no less. So, um, so that's symbolic, yeah. Um, I, I wonder again, with my most recent viewing, um, yes, the grandparents are being servants, but at the party. Logan is not uh, the, the he he is being the husband that he always was. He's, he's a sex just, slave. Well, yeah, yeah. They, they say, he thinks, but he's he's in a thirty year younger black body, but he's still performing the role of husband. So I don't know that they're servants so much as they're as they're they're behaving as such because Chris is there. Right. Like I. Mm-hmm. how kind of dealing you know, with racialized systems institution it oppresses everybody like there's there's loss mm. on both sides i guess well i wonder what happens if you the tethering
0: again mm-hmm. right um
1: yeah yes. well and i haven't thought about this but if you go back to like larson's book to passing right yeah and you think about every passing narrative that, every every passing narrative that you ever read um, that was written between 1920-ish and 1960-ish has a scene where usually it's the young white woman the young black woman masquerading as a young white woman is confronted by her black mother and has to you know have the talk where no I would like you to pretend you're the maid or something you know, you know like that that is a yeah that is a that is an that is a trope that occurs in all those books so as to you know, you can't ruin my you know my masquerade by letting people know that you know we are actually related, so I wonder if that's part of it
0: yeah, and I mean it's also you have this kind of fantasy element for the white the guy who couldn't beat Jesse Owens now has a black body, and he spends the nights <laughs> running sprinting <laughs> right like <laughs> Jesse Owens yeah. Yeah, I I think there's a clear parallel here to the, I mean, history of Elvis Presley recording black songs and suddenly it's popular, right, Mm -hmm. and so taking on um, elements of black culture and making it for white people is is an exploitation, right, and and I think that um, that's clearly, (laughs) to me, in the subtext. Also, I want
1: to point out that that, that, again, that scene right, not at the very end, but when they have the party, that entire exchange, that entire act, second act of the movie, is constructed to reduce Chris to chattel. They, yeah. know, he shows up, they feel him up, and it's like, it's like oh, you have <laughs> musculature. And then, um, like the way, um, I don't know the actor's name, you know, the news radio guy who's the, who buys, oh, yeah. Stephen something. Root. Stephen Thanks, Root. Thank you. Yeah. Um, Stephen Root buys him at auction, yeah, you know, literally like, an auction. Like, they, I mean, they say it's a bingo game, but it is very clearly his photo is there, and they are, you know, they are bidding, and they he buys the black body to be used as a workhorse at auction. And again, pointing towards the, you know, the white liberalism thing that we discussed at the beginning, he says, "I don't care that you're black. That it was never about that. I'm literally buying your physicality. I want you for your eyes." Yeah, like so that um, so, which is a sort of a. I don't care that you're black, but we are only using black bodies for our <laughs> little experiment. But like, that's not what. I, that's not what. I'm not that kind of guy. I'm the guy who just. Too, because the people that were there not only were they older white mm-hmm. people,
0: but they were also able to afford. To these race and class again, right? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And
1: then the younger white, like the, Jeremy and um, what's the girlfriend's name? Just watched it. I know. I'm bored with this. Yeah. Um, uh, it doesn't matter. Um, but they—they they are responsible for procuring the bodies. Right. Yeah. Uh, the uh, the movie says that. So she is literally enabling. Uh, you know, again, the white liberalism. She is not a part of it. She's not like replacing them with her, with herself. But she's young. She is enabling the continuation of the of the systemic problem. Yeah. She said that at the end. I really
0: liked you or something. Yeah. Yeah, you were in one of my favorites, yeah. I think yeah. she tells him. Yeah. Yeah. Um, thank you so much. And incidentally the end of these mov- this movie particularly is very bloody. I mean he, he Chris escapes through his wit and um beats and maims everybody to bloody pulps, right? Um, on his way out of the house and burns the mansion Res- down. Um Res- and so, <laughs> yeah. And so it's uh it's a way in, there's there's a revenge fantasy um being enacted in this movie as well, which is not unimportant to note. Um, I, I have gone to an every other week um, release schedule, and I, I lo- it makes my life much more manageable. I have kids and <laughs> wife and stuff, you know, and other things. I write for Matt's blog. Um, and so, um, but, uh, so for time management, um, it's been awesome. I miss doing this every week, though. It's so much fun to have these conversations. Thank you, Chris, Mav, excuse me, for, uh, for joining me today again. And, and thanks for everybody who showed up and for the wonderful um, questions. Um, enjoy the closing ceremonies. Thank you.